God is good all the time. Let's give God a praise offering this morning. Amen. God is good. And thank you to our worship team for, for leading us in that time of worship. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to uh, see each and every one of you today. It's good to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whenever I go on and greet people, I, it's great to see your smiling faces and a, a nice handshake or a hug. And it's always great, good to greet brothers and sisters in Christ. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us in worship today. I know that you have a choice on where to worship, so thank you for choosing to worship with us here at the Salvation Army Croc Center Church. But it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord, uh, to, to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. You know, we, uh, we had a good seminar yesterday. We had a preaching and teaching seminar, and we've got a couple of pictures up there. And uh, uh, we were under the leadership of Lieutenant Colonels Lee and Michelle Lascano, and uh, they're wonderful teachers, students of God's Word and preachers and teachers, and we were very blessed and very challenged and inspired as well. Uh, so they are with us again here this morning, Lee and Michelle, and uh, they're going to minister to us this day as well. So I just want you to stand, uh, Colonels Lee and Michelle Lescano. They serve in leadership at our territorial headquarters in Long Beach, California, and it's good to have you here this weekend. And uh, Michelle's going to come up and read the scripture for us this morning before Lee preaches. I'll be reading from the book of Matthew, if you'd like to turn there. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. And I believe it'll be up there on the screen. Yes, it is. This is what the Lamb of God says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and then tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Good morning. 
It's really good to be with you here and to be able to share God's word with you. And that's what we're going to do, continuing in the book of Matthew. So if you'd like to turn a couple chapters over, if you have your Bibles, otherwise it'll be on the screen, to Matthew chapter 8. Let's just read a few verses of scripture there to see this story of of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, be looking from verse 23 to 27. Then Jesus got into the boat. He started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking on the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went in and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. I uh, recently noticed something as I was browsing through Facebook, and it, it, it caught me, it was kind of curious, as, as I realized that uh, several of my friends had been posting about their inability to fall asleep. And it was interesting. It wasn't just one. It was a few different ones. And a couple of them, I was really curious, because I noticed that the time stamp was like 3 a.m., and the post was like, ah, laying here for hours. So I can imagine just how horrible thing it is. So I began to wonder, like, is this beginning to happen more and more? And I did some research and found from the, the National Sleep Foundation that actually it is, that insomnia is on the increase. They actually projected that some like 30% of Americans have some form of insomnia. As I looked at it more, realized that what they are finding that is it's tied into anxiety and sometimes depression, which of course makes sense. But why is that going on? As I was looking at that, I thought about this story. Now, I want you to really try to picture this in your mind and see this amazing contrast. See, Jesus had said to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And this lake was actually a sea. It was huge. And it was calm when they set off. The disciples, of course, some of them were fishermen, very experienced and and knew how to to handle the boat. So they set off. But where they were... It was a particularly interesting thing. Even if you started off calm, it actually was sitting, this big lake was sitting with these huge cliffs. And what would happen is the wind would come straight across and then down the cliffs into the lake and literally stir it up, start like boiling. And, and they were in a situation where they could have drowned. The, the boat was tossed. Here were these experienced fishermen. Now think about it. They're running around screaming, oh, we're gonna die. You know, let's do something. And all of a sudden, they stopped Where's Jesus? Jesus, sleeping like a baby. In the midst of this storm, in the midst of this dangerous situation, he's just, you know, curled up. I don't know if he had a pillow or something, but Jesus was asleep. That, that's, how in the world could he sleep in this kind of a situation? I thought, well, that may apply to us, and it's certainly to the disciples. Jesus, look what he said to them. Maybe sound a little bit harsh. He, he said, you, where's your faith in this? Now, when I look at that, I realize why Jesus could sleep, and maybe we can learn from that. The first thing that we know about Jesus and why, what he knew is that he knew that he wasn't going to drown on that boat, because you see, he would tell his disciples just in a short time after that, that it was a time that he would die, that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would have to go to the cross, that he would be crucified, 
that he would die and then he would rise again. So Jesus knew exactly what the plan was. He knew when he would die, how he would die, where he would die. So he could sleep because he wasn't going to die in that boat. He was going to die on a cross. So he knew that. What else did Jesus knew? You know, the fact of the matter is, Jesus knew that even if he did die, well, it would actually be better. Now, how did he know that? Jesus had seen what we would think of as heaven. He'd experienced eternity. When Jesus was born in that manger as a human being, that wasn't the beginning of his existence. The Bible tells us that he always was as God. He was in the very beginning. So Jesus knew the reality of eternity. He also knew that he would again be in eternity from all time. And it would be a wonderful, wonderful, amazing thing. So Jesus knew if he did die, yeah, that's a good thing. Because then I'm going to experience what God had intended for us. The third thing that Jesus knew is that he could stop the wind and the waves anytime he wanted to. That's exactly what he did. He, he stood up, he, you know, he looked out there and he yelled, Quiet! And the winds and the waves just died down, perfectly calm. So he knew he had that power. And then he says to the disciples, where's your faith? Now, again, that doesn't seem quite fair, does it? Because they didn't know all that. They hadn't seen, experienced eternity. They certainly knew they didn't have the power to to yell at the waves and make them stop. They didn't have the knowledge or the experience that, that Jesus did. But he expected faith in those same things, faith in the same knowledge that he has. And that's for us. You see, we face perilous times, don't we? We face personal dangers as well as personal challenges. I mean, I, I think as I've been watching the news and have been here a few times to realize right here, I mean, you guys had to worry about nuclear bombs falling on your head, right? And volcanoes. By the way, my family is all worried. It's like they, they think there's lava all over the place or something. I don't, I don't know. But you do face dangers. We all do, don't we? And even if it's not life-threatening situations, just like that scripture said about things of even worrying where our food is going to come from and what are we going to wear, life has a, a way of causing anxiety, doesn't it? But God wants us to be at peace. He wants us to have the kind of faith that Jesus demonstrated. Well, how do we do that? What, how can we learn from what Jesus knew? Let's see. The first thing he knew, of course, was that the Father had a plan, a specific plan, and that he knew that this wasn't part of that plan, so he could rest in that plan. Well, how can we learn from that? It actually brings up a question that, as I was studying this, I thought, well, I need to start studying a little bit more, because here's, the, here's a question for you. Does that mean that God has one appointed time and place for each of us to die? And I started looking at that. Now, some scholars would probably look at that and say the Bible's a little inconclusive. I think there's a lot of evidence. What we do know is God is sovereign and he knows all things. We do know that everything, nothing happens that is not in his perfect hands. And I think there's some indication that there's a, an appointed time for all of us. Now, we don't, I don't want to know. I don't know about you, but I don't want to know when it is. I think I'd rather just not know but I believe that there is a time. In fact, it was interesting. We look at the Apostle Paul. He was preaching the gospel, and he got arrested for it. That happened a lot back then. And he had to actually go to Rome. And they put him on a, on a ship, on a big boat, with other prisoners. And again, there was a storm, and the boat was being tossed. And, and, and for miles and miles, it just got 
dragged along with the wind until it finally was about to crash on the reef. So the soldiers on the boat realized we're going to lose our prisoners. So they realized their duty. They pulled out their sword. They were going to kill all the prisoners so they couldn't escape in the shipwreck. And Paul said, stop. An angel came and told me that we're not going to die, that if you do what I say, everyone on this ship will live even though we're going to crash. So he knew that. You see, that's an unusual situation. But God had a place and a plan for them. Well, here's what you and I do know. God has you in his hands. He has a perfect and complete plan for your life. In fact, I want you to look at this, this scripture verse. It's in Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15. And it was David also faced difficulties and trials and was persecuted and people wanted to kill him. And in the middle of this, look what he says in Psalm 31, 14. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me. But I'm trusting in you. So David faced the same kind of things, the difficulties that we faced. He faced what the disciples did. But he said, I know my life is in your hands. And there is what God is wanting us to really grasp, is that our life is in his hands. There's an old Salvation Army song that says that. I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. The days I cannot see have all been planned for me. His way is best, you see. I'm in his hands. Of course, it also says to me is I want to make sure I'm in his hands. If God has a plan, and in fact, as the Bible says, that all things work together for those who love the Lord or are called according to his purposes, then I want to be sure that I'm right where he wants me to be. Not to test God, even if there's a point at time for death. It doesn't mean I'm going to run across the freeway or jump off a cliff. I'm going to be right where God wants me to be. And then I can trust and rests in the perfect and complete plan. Look at the other thing that uh, Jesus knew. Jesus knew the reality of eternity. He knew it because he had literally seen it, felt it, experienced it. The disciples in the, the first century Christians would face horrendous death, martyrdom for their faith. They needed a little glimpse of that eternity by faith. And if you remember, it was interesting, Peter, James, and John, Jesus said, come, come with me, I want you to, to experience something. And he took them up to a place. And they were up there and with Jesus, nobody else around. All of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear. I can, can you imagine that? It's like, there they are. And they're literally just having a, a chat with Jesus. They're just talking, oh, Jesus, how's it going? You know, Moses and Elijah, they've been dead for thousands of years, or hundreds of years, whatever it was. And, and the disciples are just like, wow. But look what they got to see. They got to see the reality. These people, they weren't really dead. They were just in the presence of God. And now here they are, just as real as anybody else. You see, that's what God wants us to grasp. Can you imagine what our, our, our reactions would be to things if we really grasped the fact that there's life eternal, that if I'm saved, if I believe in Jesus Christ, if, if I know he's died for my sins, if I accepted it into my heart, that I'm gonna be in heaven with him for eternity. That's real. Certainly death hurts. Certainly there's the, the separation pain. But if I really grasp that, I could face it like those disciples did with c- courage and faith. But sometimes, and we say, yeah, we believe that, but sometimes we don't. There used to have a, a course sergeant major who would do the announcements and it always struck me as a little bit funny. 
He would come and he would say, I'm sad to announce that Mary is in the presence of Jesus. I'm thinking, what? You're sad? That's a good thing, right? Now, of course, we understand the sadness of death. But the reality by faith is it's just as more real than life here. And when I really see that, that I know that I will live, just as Jesus said, as he raised Lazarus from the dead, if you believe in me, you will live even if you die. That's what the Lord wants us to have. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 1 to 3. The disciples were, were troubled. They were fearful, just like we get sometimes. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will be with me always. Do you get the sense of that? That's a real positive thing. He's saying, hey, I'm going to go and and get heaven ready for you. And then I'm going to come and call you. So you can come home and be with me forever. That's really what death is. That's a beautiful transition of of God saying, okay, you've had enough of this. Let's go to eternity where you're meant to be. But look what Jesus says. I'm preparing a place for you. There's a place for you if you follow him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's how you get to that place. The last thing Jesus knew is he could say, stop, and the winds would calm and the waves would come. The disciples, it seemed reasonable to be afraid because they knew they didn't have that power. So what was Jesus expecting? Jesus knew they couldn't say to the waves, unless he let them, to stop. What faith did God want them to have? In the exact same thing. See, they couldn't stop the waves, but Jesus wanted them to know that he could, and they could trust him, an almighty, powerful God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, it's a beautiful verse. It says this. That's why I'm suffering in prison, Paul said. But I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he's able to guard that which I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Look at that. I know whom I believed, another, verse, another version says. Do you know the one who is almighty, who does calm the winds, who can speak. You can know him through the word, through faith. If you look at the scriptures, from the very beginning, you see the very power of an almighty God when he speaks the universe into existence. Let there be light, and there was light. That was the power of God. And then he takes the children of Israel, and he parts the the Red Sea that they could walk through on dry land, a million of them walking through. That's the power of God. We see the power of God in Jesus Christ as he raises the dead as he turns water into wine, as he takes the the loaves and the fishes and and multiplies them to feed thousands and thousands of people, that's the power of our God. And I don't have that power, but I have one, and I know one who does. Now look what he says. I know him, so you need to know God's power. He said, then I trust you. I've entrusted. And there's the question for us. Is my fear sometimes coming from the fact that I haven't really entrusted my life into his hands? I haven't said, Lord, I'm yours. Here it is. I give you my all, as that song said. I trust you completely. When we're able to do that, think about just releasing those anxieties, those fears, releasing it all to the Lord. 
And here's what he wants to give in return. Jesus said this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart, and the peace that I give as a gift, the world cannot give, so don't be afraid or troubled. The Lord wants us to have such a peace. He wants his Christians, as as Oswald Chambers said it, God expects his children to be so confident in him that in any crisis, they're the ones who are reliable. God wants us to have that quietness of heart and of soul and of mind and of peace because of our faith in him. People will be coming to you to say, what do I do? I'm so anxious. I just can't sleep. And God gave you that peace. There's a song I want you just to listen to in a moment, and the words say this. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to God in order to provide. In every change, he is faithful. He faithful will remain. And it says this. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Just close your eyes and bow your heads and listen to the words of this song. And if God is calling you to entrust your life to him to receive that peace, you can come to this place of prayer. You can just pray where you are. During the song and during the worship time, just let the Lord show you through faith how to trust in him. Be still my soul, your soul to live as he would have you to. As the praise team leads us in worship, it's still time if you want to come and pray, maybe to have someone pray with you to ask the Lord for, for that peace. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'd like to pray for you this morning. If, if there's a concern on your heart, if you're worried about yourself or your situation or perhaps a loved one or someone else I'd be happy to pray with you this morning I just want to slip your hand up and slip it down guys God bless you amen there's so many hands being raised we are a needy people aren't we we need God's help let's pray together our gracious heavenly father we thank you Because you are a God of love, and a God of compassion, and a God who cares about us. And so, Lord, I just thank you this morning for that reminder that in the midst of the storm, that you are there, that your presence is with us. So thank you, Lord, for reminding us of that. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us and encourage us to keep believing in you, to keep trusting in you. We pray, Father, that we would grow in our faith and in our trust in you. I pray, Father, that no matter what the situation may be, no matter what the circumstance may be, that we know, Lord, that you ultimately are in control. I pray, Father, that you would give us assurance, give us that confidence to know, to believe in you, to have the assurance of eternal life, that you already have a place for us. So, Lord, help us to do that. Father, for those who've raised their hands this morning, for those who have expressed a need and said, Lord, in faith I'm lifting up my hand because I just need a special touch from you this morning. 
So, Lord, whatever that situation is, whatever that concern is, Lord, we lift that up to you. We know that you are an all-powerful God, and you can do the impossible, that you work miracles in our life. But the one miracle we want most of all, Lord, is for us to have an obedient heart, to place our life in your hands, to completely trust in you. So, Father, whatever the situation, we just give to you. We know, Father, that you hear our prayers and you know our hearts. So, Lord, bless us this day. Bring comfort, bring strength, bring healing, bring wisdom. We love you, Lord. Thank you again, Lord. We pray, Father, again, that we would all experience that peace, the peace that only you can give, the peace that passes all understanding and all comprehension, the peace, Lord, that we we can't quite understand it, but we know when we have it. But we also, Lord, know when we don't have that peace. So, Father, I pray that we will all have that peace, the peace that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, the peace that will allow us to lay down at night and, and sleep peacefully through the night. And that peace only comes from you, Heavenly Father. So, Father, we thank you again for this time and for this day. Continue to bless us as we rest in your peace. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen and amen.